Praise the Lord. Are you all excited to be here today? Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, before we even start, we're, we're going to do something a little different, something that we have been doing. We just started in RG, Rising Generation. This is before we even, you know, preach a sermon or something like that, we have this confession just to get our hearts ready for the word of God. So I'm going to teach it to you today, and you're going to join me in confessing it. Um, they will put it on the screen as well so that you can have an idea what I'm saying. So I'm going to say it all, and then we're going to say it one by one. It says, this is the word of God. It, okay. <laughs> this is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots, and it will produce its fruit in me. Okay, let's say it together one more time. One, two, ready, go. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots, and it will produce its fruit in me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, let us pray, and we'll begin. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to stand here to preach your word. And Lord, I just thank you because wherever two or three are gathered, you are in our midst. We believe that you're here today, God. And we say thank you, God, for giving us your presence. It's a privilege. So, Lord, as I'm speaking the word, God, I just pray that your spirit will speak the words of life through me, God. And it will penetrate into our hearts to teach us and to grow us and to mold us to be who you already created us to be. Thank you, God, because you will do all that you have planned and purposed in your heart to do, God, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... In October of this year, right, um, God gave me two songs. It was just like, I was listening to, you know, um, I think it was just like on Apple Music or something like that. I was listening to different music, and this song came on. It was um, one song, and then another one came on. And I was just like, wow, like, okay, I like these songs. But then from then, it was just continuing to be in my heart. I would listen to it morning afternoon, evening. Sometimes I will even listen to it multiple times throughout the day, right? It was just stuck in my heart. If, if you are in a car of, or have driven with me, you probably know the song. My sister, <laughs> she knows the song by now, by heart, the two songs by heart. And if I've driven with you in your car, you probably know the songs too. So I was just like meditating on those songs and I realized something, that God was trying to teach me something about himself. So in those songs, God pointed out his faithfulness. Multiple times from October to today, you know, I would wake up with a song of God's faithfulness. And then God began to paint a picture for me of the things that he has done in the past. Right? We read the Bible, the Old Testament. It talks about the works of God, the things that God did for the Israelites, for the people of old. And God was painting a picture for me. And then he said to me, even now, I am still faithful. I haven't changed. So God sent me as a messenger to you today to tell you that he is still faithful, right? 
And he never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're going to begin with a definition of what does faithful mean? What is that? I actually went on Google and looked it up. Um, it says, steadfast in affection or allegiance, loyal, firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty, conscientious, given with strong assurance, binding, true to the facts, to a standard or to an original. This one really got me because I remember whenever I go to Nigeria, they are always looking for original. <laughs> but God has been original from the beginning. He's not the fake God. He's not somebody who's trying to be something. He's always been himself. And the fifth one was full of faith. I want you to remember this word, loyal, adherence to promises, full of faith. And then I looked up the word faithfulness. So what does faithfulness really mean? Faithfulness means faithful, again, loyal, constant, staunch, steadfast, Firm in adherence to whatever one owes allegiance. Faithful implies unswerving adherence to a person or a thing or to the oath or promise by which a tie was contracted. So I really like that, that part where it says unswerving adherence to a person or a thing or to the oath or promise. Why? Because if you look at the, you know, like re read through the Old Testament, we see how God was faithful to the Israelites, Right? Even though the Israelites would rebel against God, but God was still faithful to them. Because God had put his name over them, whatever happened to the Israelites was as if it was happening to him. Right? Remember in the, um, in the story of David and Goliath, right? That in that story, Goliath and the Philistines, they were talking about the Israelites and they were basically insulting them. And when David came... What did he say? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And basically he was saying, like, how dare he insult God? Because God had put his name over the Israelites. So God was faithful. And God came through for them in that situation, right? So in, in David and Goliath, we know what happened, right? David used a stone and killed Goliath. And all the glory went back to God. It was to show that God is who he says he is. If he says, I am with you, he is truly with you. So I, I was reading um, online an article, you know, um, it was a Christian article, and it talked about God's faithfulness, and I picked out this line from that article. It says, God's faithfulness is his perfect loyalty and consistency in being true to his name, his character, and his word. His perfect loyalty in being true to his name, loyalty and consistency in being true to his name, his character, and his word. So as we're, we're talking through this, we're going to hit on three things. God is faithful by nature. God is faithful to his word and promises. And then there's our part, the part that we have to play. You see, God... God God's faithfulness is not dependent on us, just like his love is not dependent on us. God is not waiting for us to, you know, fulfill a certain standard or do certain things, follow certain rules before he now says, I will start my journey of faithfulness for you. He doesn't, he doesn't wait. He, it's just who he is. By nature, right, his character is not dependent on us. 
God was who he was before we had an encounter with him. And he's still going to be who he is even after we have come to know him. We read that in scripture. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 10, um, it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See that? God demonstrates, showed us his love, that when we were already in sin, sin is rebellion. When we were already in sin, Jesus died for us. He wasn't waiting for us to be good. He wasn't waiting for us to meet the perfect standard, the holiness. He wasn't waiting for any of that. But God decided to show us his love even when we were in rebellion. And then it says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God's character is devoid of us. He was who he is. Right before the world began, he already is. He's love. He's faithful. And now that we have now encountered him, we're part of his family, he is still love. He is still faithful. It doesn't change. That's why we, we can be sure and, you know, trust, put our trust in him because he's consistent. He doesn't change. He doesn't shift. So, um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us, right? He was faithful even when we rebelled against him. He fulfilled his word. Remember, like at the beginning, it said he made, this plan, he made all these plans to reconcile us back to himself. He was faithful to his word even when we were not good. How much more now? We'll read Psalm chapter uh, 100, verse 5, TPT. I really like this. This is what it says. It says... For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you. And here's what it says. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Isn't that amazing? See, like, even the people of old, the psalmist is saying, God is famous. God is known for his faithfulness towards everyone. It's not saying some people, you know, because they are Christians. Or he is faithful because even the people who don't know Christ, it says God still loves them. He still desires that they know him. They come into his kingdom. God is famous for his faithfulness towards all. And then look at what it says. It says, everyone knows our God can be trusted. For he keeps his promises to every generation. How do they know that God can be trusted? It's because they have had an encounter with him. Right? They have experienced him in some capacity. That's why they can say, you know, the psalmist can write, yeah, God, everybody knows that God can be trusted. Everyone knows that. And he keeps, he's a keeper of his word. So we'll read another scripture. It says Psalms um, 86 verse 15. It says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Why am I reading all these scriptures to you? I'm trying to hit on the fact that God is faithful by nature. It is who he is. It's just innate. It's, he can't change from being faithful. It's a sure thing forever that God is faithful by nature. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 11 to 13, it says, You can trust these words. If we were joined with him in his death, then we are joined with him in his life. If we are joined with him in his suffering, 
then we will reign together with him in his triumph. But if we disregard him, then he will also disregard us. But even if we are faithless, he will still be full of faith, for he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. Isn't that amazing? Even when we're lacking faith, he's still unchanging. He will never waver in his faithfulness towards us. And I like how NLT puts it. It says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. God can't disown himself. Even when we're not doing our part, he still does his part. He can't change. It's, it's just innate. He can't change who he is just because we are not keeping our part. And really, throughout the gospel, this is really what God did for us, is that we didn't do anything to merit the salvation that we received, the grace that we received, the mercy of God that we received. We didn't do anything to merit it. But God did all of it for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because he did the work himself. We will go into God is faithful to his word and promises. I I told you guys to remember, you know, the word loyal. Because when you talk about faithfulness, you really, really have to talk about loyalty. And loyalty really means that it's like you're tied to this person. You will stay true to this person. You're not going to shift from, you know, saying like, I, I made a promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep what I said to this person. Something that God really told me is that your word is who you are. People can sum you up by what you say. Right? We've done that to many people. I know. I've done that too. You know, I, I listen to, I, I'm very observant. I listen to what people say and kind of observe them throughout the, you know, every single time. And I hear what they say and I'm like, okay, this person is like this. We've done that. I'm guilty. <laughs> but God was teaching me that your word is really who you say, like who you are. Right? In, in scripture, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, it says, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. But what comes out of your, your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Because your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, right, the mouth speaks. So when God, we can use that to actually say that when God says something to us, he is revealing himself to us. So his word to us is God giving us a revelation into who he is. In John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You see that? So when God spoke his word, he was telling you that I am the word. <laughs> I am my word spoken to you. I'm revealing to you who I am through what I say to you. Also in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, for we have the living word of God. The word of God is alive. I'm actually going to stop there. Like, the word of God is alive, right? It says the word was with God, the word was God. And then Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that the word is living. It's full of life and it's full of energy, like it says um, in that scripture. God is faithful to his word, meaning that God is faithful to himself. His word is him, so he is faithful to himself. In Psalms um, 138 verse 2, it says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your names. Why is this scripture telling us this? Because God has magnified his word above all his names, right? He's saying this because 
His reputation is hinged on his word. See, we read the scripture where it says, God is famous for his faithfulness. Why was the psalmist able to say that? It's because God kept his word. That's why he can say God is faithful. So, for example, when we say, God, you are Ebenezer, meaning rock. You are Jehovah Jireh, meaning you're the provider. You are, you know, Shalom, meaning peace. When we call God those names, it's because we have experienced him in that avenue, in those areas. We have experienced him. That's why we can say, God, you are this, you are that, you are that. Because we have experienced him. He kept his word to us. And I really like how Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 talks about the word of God. It says, this is TBT, the, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the whole universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. It says, he holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. And then in NIV, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by, the power, by his powerful word. Remember we said the word is living, is alive. That, keep that in mind because it's going to come up later. The word is living, right? And the word is powerful. And then the word sustains all things. The word is living. The word is powerful. The word sustains all things, and the word is God. So when God says something to us, he's saying he's revealing himself because the word is God. He's revealing himself to us. And then the word is living. It's alive and active. So when he says it, it's like it has, what I say, it has a mind of its own. It's, it's, it's full of life when he speaks it. That's why, you know, the word is a seed. It's, it's full of power. When you speak it, it's activated. The power in it is activated, right? You speak it, you're speaking the life that God has put in that, in that word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, it says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. Look at this part. It says, and he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascends to God, we bring him glory. When God speaks the word, it is yes. So I, I remember, I think it was Thursday, Pastor was talking about, you know, prayer. How do you know the will of God? How do you really know the will of God? You see, we go back to the word. To find his will for us. Whatever situation it is, you go back to the word. Because that word is a yes to you. It's God saying, I have spoken this. I am bound to my word. I will keep my word because it talks about me. It's revealing me to you. I am faithful to who I am. I cannot deny my own self. God is still in the business of keeping his word. He won't change. This is not, this, because 2020, they talked about coronavirus. They, this happened, that happened. But it doesn't change the nature of God. God is still who he is. He's a promise keeper. He keeps his word. And we're, we're going to read that same scripture in NLT. It says, for Jesus Christ, the son of God, does not waver. Like that. He doesn't waver between yes and no. It's not today. He says, yes, 
I'm willing to do it. And then tomorrow he says, no, 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 I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He says he doesn't waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Jesus Christ is the yes of God. He is the word of God. So when we look at the word, we go to scripture to find a word for our lives, for any situation. And we say, yes, God, you said this. We believe it. What we're really saying to God is, is that we believe the testimony about your son. We believe the testimony that you have told us about Jesus. And we agree that he will fulfill his promises to us. But you, you know in that scripture, it actually says that he had, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled. So what we are essentially saying that we believe that you have fulfilled your word to us. At a point, um, I was holding this, this, this word was so crucial <laughs> to my life. This next scripture I'm going to read. It was so cru crucial to my life because I was just like, God, man, you said this to me. I have to hold on to it. And so this scripture came is, um, is Isaiah 55 verse 11. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruits. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. See, when I said the word is living, it's full of life. And Jesus, um, the word of God said, I send it out and it always produces fruit. It's not that it will sometimes produce fruit. It will always produce. And it will accomplish all the purpose and plans that God intended for it when he spoke it. Let's take a look at the, um, you know, the scenario with Abraham in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 to 14, and then 16 to 18. It says, for one, when God made a promise to Abraham, this scripture is so powerful. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. For men indeed swear by the greater, and and an oath for confirmation is for them as an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability, immutability meaning unchanging over time, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Let, let's take that, um, you know, little by little. It says, because he could swear by no one greater. There was no one greater than God for him to swear by. There was only him. So he swore by himself. He gave an oath. And he was really, really trying, like in this scripture, he's trying to kind of show us that, yes, you can trust. Yes, I'm not changing. Yes, I keep my word. Look at Abraham. I spoke an oath to him. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And then he said, there was no one greater for me to swear by, but I just wanted to make sure your heart, you know, it's, what will I say? It's, it's, it's at a place of surety, like you're sure. You understand there's no doubt in your heart. So I'm telling you all these things about myself so that I can give you confidence to trust my word. And TPT, it says, 
Now, when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. Isn't that beautiful? Will God ever cease to exist? No. It says, as sure as God exists. Meaning that it's eternal. It's forever. My promise to you is forever. And then it says, so he said, have no doubt. I promise to bless you over and over and give your son and multiply you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. It is very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves. But the oath will confirm their statement and end all dispute. Look at this part. It says, so in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcibly, forcefully to those who would inherit his promises. His, pro his purpose was unchangeable. So God added his vow to the promise. God wanted to end all doubt about his promise. Numbers 23:19. It says, "For God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through?" There's a question to all of us. In your own personal life, you have experienced God to some capacity, right? So you can be able to answer that question. Has God ever spoken something to you and failed to act? Of course not, because he is faithful. He keeps his word and his promises. This is how NIV puts it. It says, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No. So something happened um, at, at work. So like we, for us to get our bonuses, you know, you know the, um, the company has to meet its goal. And so when they called us together a couple weeks back, they said, oh, well, like, the bonuses will not be, like, funded at 100%. And I was like, after I heard that, I went back and I said, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I said, that's not true. And I texted Amaka, me and Amaka worked together. Um, I texted her, I said, we are going to get our bonuses funded at 100%. And I just said that, like, I, I was just like, no, like, this is what is going to happen. Regardless of what they say, this is what is going to happen. So... This week, I think it was this week, on Wednesday, I had a meeting with um, a coworker or two coworkers, and I got into the meeting, and the first person, you know, that was there, like one of the coworkers, like he, he was like, you know, we're waiting for the other person. So he said, oh, did you read what the CEO sent? I said, what? Like, because I hadn't been checking my email <laughs> at all. I like... I was like, okay, maybe like at the end of the week, I'm going to check all my emails. So I said, what did the CEO say? He said, well, they, you know, they all made a decision that they will fund the bonuses at 100%. See, I said that word a couple weeks back, and I totally forgot about it. I went my way, and I just was doing my own thing, you know, living my life. But do you see that? Like, God took that word and fulfilled it. He took what I had said, and fulfilled it. And I, I think there's a scripture that says, as we have spoken into his ear, so he would do to us. I just spoke it and I left it there and I was like, I believe this will happen. And I just went my way and God fulfilled it. He was faithful. Another example. <laughs> 
So I was talking to God. I was like, God, like, man, I, I just want a pay increase. I'm tired of, like, being at this, you know, pay grade. I just, just increase my salary, God. <laughs> and so my manager, you know, he, he wanted all of us on the team to, you know, just take this, um, is it a quiz or something like that about our working, like the culture, what we want, and all the incentives and all that stuff. So me, I forgot to take it. So he had to remind me again. So I took this, <laughs> this quiz. And one of the things were like, what would you like as an incentive? I said, wow, okay. I want a pay increase. <laughs> so after I took the quiz, um, my manager called, like, you know, we, in our one-on-one, -on -one, we talked through the quiz. And I was just jokingly saying to him, like, you know, it would be bad if, you know, you guys increase my salary. So we ended it there. I forgot about that whole thing. So randomly, like, I think a couple weeks after, my manager just set a random meeting with me. And he said, Adana, I just want to tell you that, you know, the directors, myself, and everyone, we just want to increase your salary. Can you imagine? See how good God is? <laughs> we just want to increase your salary. It, it's not because I was good. Because I know myself. It's not because I was good. It's because God was faithful. He heard my prayer. He was faithful. Samuel chapter 15 verse 29 this is to reinforce or emphasize the same thing and he who is the glory of Israel will not lie nor will he change his mind but he is not human that he should change his mind he's not a human being that he you know like for us we have experienced you know when someone will tell you something I've experienced it someone will tell me something and later on they will change their mind say oh you know this one this one it happened frequently because it's a lot of times, we haven't renewed our mind to, the, to keep our word. But this is really pointing out, like, this is human nature, that we don't always keep our word. But God says, I'm not changing. I always keep my word. So now we're entering into what is our part in this whole thing, right? See, the word has been infused with enough power to accomplish what it was meant to do. The Lord has been faithful in sending forth his word. The word is faithful to accomplish his purpose. So now we on our end must believe it and stand on it. That's really it. There's a scripture that says, you know, the work that God requires of you is just to believe. <laughs> He's not requiring you to figure it out. He's not requiring you to, to, okay, I need to take this step A, step B, step C. For now, like what God promised to now happen. All he requires from you is for you to believe his word. Because believing his word, like we said, is believing his testimony about his son. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. What does it say to us? Let us hold what? Tightly. Let us hold what? Tightly to, without wavering to the hope we affirm, because we know that God can be trusted to keep his promises. Another version says, for he who promised is faithful. Now, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 has been my go-to scripture for so long, for years. But God brought it again to me um, recently. And here is what it says in verse 18 in TPT. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed what? A promise. And then what did he do? 
he expected what? God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. That's what we're supposed to do. First, he believed the promise. He believed the promise. All that God is requiring for us to do is to believe. That's the work he wants us to do. And then he said he expected God to fulfill his promise. If you're going to come to the word of God and you have no expectation, you won't receive anything. Your expectation has to be high because you know who has said the word to you. He can be trusted to fulfill his promises. And Abraham took God at his word. It wasn't like, okay, God, you said this, but, you know, let me just plan, plan B, maybe. Let me just have plan B and C, just in case so that you don't do it. No, it didn't say that. It said Abraham took God at his word. And as a result, what was the result? He became the father of many nations. Just because he believed. See, God can have, can say a word to you, fulfill his part, but you might not receive it. It's not that God was withholding it from you. God has already given it. But you need to add your faith to it to receive it. You see, let's keep reading that scripture. It says, God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that, you will be, that they will be impossible to count. What God has said to him came to pass. I remember, um, you know, the story of Gideon. When the angel of the Lord, Gideon was very afraid. He came from a tribe that, you know, they weren't strong and everything. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. And what he said was, oh, mighty warrior. You see, it could have ended there where, you know, after Gideon was like, how can, how can you say this when I, I come from this tribe? Like, we are so weak, this and that. Like, I'm not strong. He said all of, all of that, yes. But if Gideon had ended it there, he would never become the mighty warrior. But what did Gideon do? He actually took the instruction of the Lord and went to war. How can he see if he was actually a mighty warrior if he never went to war? <laughs> if you are just saying, okay, God said, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm weak, so I'm just going to stay in my house. I'm not going to do it. You will never see the promises of God if you don't actually act on the word. So Gideon took that step. To what? To go and fight. And he, was actually, he became what God made him to be. God called him, you mighty warrior. God wasn't looking at, okay, Gideon is weak. God was already seeing what he planned a long time ago. He calls you what he, he already made you to be. Regardless of what your physical, you know, like situation is saying. And then in verse 20 to 21, it says, he never stopped believing God's promise. This is talking about Abraham. For he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. He was convinced. Another version says he was fully persuaded. Fully. Not half convinced. But fully persuaded that God would do exactly what he said he would do. We glorify God when we believe what he has said about himself. Remember, the word is God. So the word is really the testimony of God about Jesus, his son. So when we believe the word, we're, we're glorifying God. We're giving all glory to God, saying, God, yes, you are stronger. There's nobody like you. There's no one who can even come close in comparison with you. We're giving him, we're ascribing to him all the glory. 
I'll close with these three things um, that God opened my eyes to. I'll just read it like how God said it to me. See, we are children of a faith God who can be trusted to be faithful. Remember faithful, like one of the definitions was full of faith. He can be trusted to be faithful. So we, as his children, we act like him. We walk by faith, not by sight. So this is, I'm, I'm going to read to you the three things that God said to me. Um, he said, the physical eye is limited in what it sees. That's why you don't look at the physical things. They will deceive you as to what is truly going on. Look only through your spiritual eyes and you will get a better view. In the physical, it might look like nothing is happening, but in the spiritual, the victory is already won. So say things in alignment with the victory of God. Proclaim what you see in the spiritual. That's what give ri- gives rise to the physical. What is the spiritual? It's the word of God, right? You proclaim what you see in the spiritual. You proclaim what the word of God says about you, what the God, word of God says about your situation, what, what the word of God is saying about everything happening around you. So you're acting in line with the spiritual. So proclaim what you see in the spiritual. That's what gives rise to the physical. Physical things can't change physical things. It only requires the spiritual to change what is in the physical realm. When you proclaim the physical, you miss God and his purpose and plans. For physical eyes can never see what God is doing. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, his word, what he is doing, and he will straighten out your path. Although it might look crooked to the physical eye, never be quick to conclude just by physical things. Never be quick to say it is over. It's never over when the Lord is involved. It's only over when he says it is. Why? Because the purpose of the Lord will surely stand. (laughs) So do not look to the left or to the right as to who will help you. Look to the one who is already there with you, for he will never leave or forsake you. He is your keeper and helper, for he has promised never to leave or forsake you. Has he said it? Will he not do it? The story, the plans, the characters belong to the Lord. And he wills the heart as he pleases. Let your faith stand the test of time. For faith requires patience. And this is something else that God said to me. This is the second one. Um, See, God is consistently at a position of faithfulness. He never moves from it. It is not to say that he is going to be faithful. He has already been faithful in all circumstances. God goes beyond the present to act on your behalf. He's not bound by time. What is happening in your present is really just noise to remove your focus from what God is doing. From God's viewpoint, he's already accomplished everything since the beginning of the world. It is for us to accept that which was already accomplished for us in Christ Jesus and appropriate it for ourselves. Your problem, your issue, already has an answer. And the answer has been implemented on your behalf. Will you now praise God with, the, with that knowledge? Don't allow the enemy to get a hold of your thoughts and get you to shift your focus from God's faithfulness. Has God not come through in the past? What makes this situation any different? Because he's still the same. See, I'll read you that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. It says, for Jesus... 
The Son of God does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, we say our amen. He is faithful to keep whatever has been committed into his hands, right? You have committed your life into his hand. When, when you gave your life to him, you said, God, I'm, I'm giving myself to you. A lot of times, you know, like for us, um, <laughs> you, maybe, you know, you know, our parents face it too. I don't know. But a lot of times we're like, oh, like, man, I really want to be more spiritual. I feel like I'm not, I'm not getting there. I have to do, you know, step A, step B, step D to, to be highly spiritual. I want to grow. And we pressure ourselves, pressure ourselves, pressure ourselves. But see, like when you committed your life into God's hand, he's the one who has been keeping you. It doesn't require for you to pressure yourself because you can't even add anything to, to your life. So he will keep what has been committed into his hand. He'll grow you spiritually. Really what God is saying to us is to believe and to rest. It's not your perfection that makes you receive what has been promised. It is his faithfulness to keep his word. God stays true to himself. If I'm dependent on my, my actions, <laughs> I will miss it because I'm not, I'm not good. Only Jesus is good. He's perfected on my behalf, right? He's the one who's perfect. So I claim his perfection. Now, the devil, like when we start thinking, okay, like I have to be perfect, the enemy will use that to get you from receiving what God has. Because it will continually point at your imperfection. Now, so if we focus on what we do, we'll feel frustrated and not worthy to receive the promise. Now, when everything looks like it's not going well and it looks hopeless, the mighty one, the great I am, the ancient of days, shows up on the scene and everything begins to turn around. He is still faithful and he just got started, right? This year is not a waste, though. <laughs> it's not a waste because the Lord is still doing something new. All, all the things that have happened, it doesn't change what he's doing because your eyes would just, like, man, we haven't really, really gotten a grasp of the things that God is doing in this 2020. The year is still, we have to what, December 31st before it ends, but God can do incredibly a lot between now and then. So, see, the Lord is doing something new. He's making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland, raising up what has been dead, giving life to the lifeless, healing the sick and the brokenhearted, defending the defenseless, providing for those in need, redeeming those whom others have given up on. He is still faithful to his word. He never fails. When we are faithless, he remains faithful because he can never disown himself. Can we just rise and worship God? his faithfulness.